Today's podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee, crafted coffee for the courageous. Go to oldsmokescoffee.com and use promo code NONTYPICAL for 10% off. On today's podcast, we're going to give away a bag of Old Smokes Coffee. You can win the Majestic Blacktail. It's a dark roast. It's one of the Hunter Blend uh, line of coffee by Old Smokes Coffee. This is a 12-ounce bag. All you have to do is tell us who the special guest of this podcast was. Send us a message on Facebook, and on the next podcast, we'll release the winner. Enjoy. This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. Okay, guys, here we are. We're in the sort of the tail end of the 2020 fall hunting season, and it has been a wild ride. I had an insane weekend. You had an adventurous weekend as well. Yeah, we had... Uh... You know, a little bit of uh, wildlife encounters. Yeah. A few. Yeah, you betcha. But but before we begin, uh, we've got a special guest coming on today's podcast, guys. We have got um, the owner of T-Rex Knives, Joe Carafel. So Joe, he does handcrafted, custom-made knives. These things are an absolute piece of art. Um, let's give him a call. Let's tie him in. Hello. Hey, Joe. How you doing? Pretty good. How's Brody? Good, good. We got you on the air here, man. It looks like everything's uh, rolling just fine. So uh, we aren't going to take you too long away here. I know you're probably sharpening uh, big chunks of steel or or shaping knives or doing something in your, your factory there. But uh, I wanted to share T-Rex knives with our uh, our listeners and talk a little bit about what you got going on because I am absolutely amazed by what you do um it's truly an art man it is unreal the pieces that you have produced well thanks for having me on the show man much appreciated and actually yeah i'm actually sitting in my shop right now (laughs) right on right on so you know i found the last about eight or nine years ago I sort of shifted my life into doing things and making a living in what I enjoy to do. And what I notice is the work, it never it never stops. You aren't doing less work because you're recording podcasts at 9 o'clock at night or you're editing videos at, at midnight or you're making knives right into to 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'm sure that's sort of a typical thing for you. Yeah, it's actually, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, I've always strived to be a hard worker during my actual day job. I've kind of strayed away from that to build knives. I'm looking at getting into it like full-time, 100%, full bore. Um, it's funny that you say that. There's mornings that uh, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I come into the shop and I work until, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. But it's it's not really work because it's something that I love, right? It's uh, something very passionate about. That's, that's exactly it, right? Um, when you enjoy what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. But in reality, you're actually working more hours than you ever would in a normal day job, but you're enjoying it, right? So that's, 
that's what it's all about. That's right, yeah. But sometimes the guy's got to worry about uh, the other half because uh, sometimes she doesn't see that it's a good idea that I spend 16 hours, 18 hours in my shop. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to figure out how to uh, separate that a little sometimes. Yeah, get, without get, a doubt, man. blinded. Oh, for sure, right? And, and that's, that's sort of my deal too, right? Because we're going on these hunts to film these episodes um, but to, to outsiders and, and even my wife, sometimes it looks like all we're doing is having fun where we are having a lot of fun, but we got to do this, right? Like we got to do this to, to, to get the work done, to, to achieve our goals. And we've just been fortunate enough to, to make what we're enjoying and what we do, um, into, you know, a livelihood or into something that can sustain our lives. And uh, no, it's it's something special, man. And what you do is absolutely incredible. And that's why we wanted to get you on here today. So, yeah, that's awesome. So hey, Joe, yeah, this is uh, so... this is Eric. I've just been sitting back here for the first little bit. Uh, you hear me all right over there? Yes, I can, Eric. How are you? Good, man. Uh, so how how did you get into this T-Rex knives? Where did it all come from? Sort of. Uh, you know where did it start and 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 where how how is it how has it got to where it is today? You know it's it's kind of crazy. I've I've watched like I've I've watched Forging Fire, of course. You know I I watch a lot of history stuff and uh, I've I thought about it for a couple of years. Like it's always been on my mind. You know I want to make knives. I'm I'm not like to be honest. I'm not a knife fanatic. Like I don't have a case full of knives. Um, I just like building knives. And uh, so it was, Jesus, I think February, around February, I've only been doing this for like eight, nine months, like full solid, but I, we slowed down at work and I'm normally heavy equipment operator. And I woke up one morning, we're slow, we had a few weeks off, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to Grand Prairie, I'm going to build a forge. So I did a bit of research on YouTube. And I went down to the hardware store, bought some three-quarter-inch pipe, some angle iron, some uh, quarter-inch pipe, connected it all to some MIG tips with some propane line, welded it all on the stand with some fire brick, and away I went. And then I realized, hey, I need an anvil or something. So I went and uh, found a chunk of railroad tie. And I use that. I shaped that into an anvil and use that for like three months. Wow. <laughs> so I did upgrade eventually to a, a real anvil. So that was kind of cool. That is absolutely incredible, man. So the creativity, though, of some of these handles and the shapes of the blades and, uh, you know, just everything, that must have been. Did that take a while to get to that point, or did you just have ideas popping out in your head right away as soon as you started, you know, shaping these uh, these pieces of steel? Well, like my very first knife, oh, it was it was like a one hundred percent piece of crap. Like it was junk. It was I made it out of a uh, old barrier ass. Okay. And I used uh, paracord actually to do it. And then after that, I kind of went into some. I actually go to Home Depot and I buy some oak, some three inch by forty eight inches long, and I start using oak on some of the handles. But like all my ideas, they uh, they stem from my head, man. It's just it's unreal. Like I'd be sleeping at night and I'll wake up and I'll be like, 
man, that's, you know, that's going to make a nice knife handle. Or yeah. the, this shape is going to be a nice knife. Or I'll look at, like, uh, my one knife, I, I call, it, call it the jackfish. It's a drop point skinner, but I kind of got the profile from a jackfish. Like, just, it's just weird stuff like that. Like, wow. uh, one from, like, looking at an eagle's head or just just certain shapes that I see. And I'm like, you know what, that would probably make a kick-ass knife. Well, I seen the one you just finished. It was uh, an antler with a bear carved at the back of the antler, a bear head, and then you had the blade on the other side. Obviously, did you carve that yourself? No, actually, I got that uh, down uh, from a guy down south. I see. Uh, Cowboy Creations. He's an antler carver. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of work with him, getting him involved doing some handles for me yeah that's great man because what's cool about what you do is no two knives are really ever the same they're always different right or do you do you make do you have a lineup of say a certain amount of knives where you'll make a few dozen of each or is everyone custom made to order everyone can be custom made to order i carry a stock of like um when i do knives i'll do 18 18 styles, basically. I got 18, 19 styles that I that I do, that I kind of got on a piece of painted cardboard, actually. <laughs> so is that like, is that is that 18 different uh, blade shapes? Yeah, it'd be 18 different blade profiles, yeah. Right on. That's that's a wide variety. Yeah, that's yeah. unreal. So, so no two knives are the same. No, and like the best thing about it is like if a customer wants... You know, he they can build it to whatever they want. You exactly. Know, it's, not, it's not going into a store and you see, you know, five knives, same handle, same style. Yeah. And that's the knife you get. Mine are, they're unique to you. You know, they're made to fit your hand. They're made to your style, your, your personality, you know, exactly what you want. Yeah, no. And then there's some people that are just, hey, make me a knife, man. I like, I like your artistics and the way you do knives, and just make me something cool. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool, man. Um, and I gotta say, guys, anyone listening, and if you're curious, go to T Rex Knives on Facebook, on Instagram. They've got a ton of super nice photos of all the the new knives they're working on. Um, so orders you're getting in right now, mid November, um, what's the timeline on these or can guys have them by Christmas or are you looking January, February, where are you at with uh, production and timeline right now? Oh, uh, right now I average like two to three orders a day and on a good day I can pump out three to four knives on a good day. If everything goes good, that's a good 15 hour day. That's if I got all the profiles done. And I'm basically just doing the edges yeah, and the grinding of the knife. Wow. And you're uh, getting two to three orders a day. That's awesome, man. I'm super, super glad to hear that. Um, are they coming from all over the place or just here in Alberta or where are you getting oh, orders from? Geez, I, uh, to be honest, I've, I've got a lot of customers coming from Saskatchewan right now for some reason. I've sent a few knives down there. So. Nice. I don't know if we're just getting out. I got uh, one going to Hawaii. I've sent some down to Idaho, Utah. Uh, possibly one going to South Africa here. I was just talking to a fellow right now, actually. Wow, that's cool. That's amazing, just the, the reach of uh, 
you know, of a true artist's work, right? You know, and this is all through word of mouth. Uh, I'm not, like, I, to be honest, I don't even look after my Instagram and Facebook page. It's my daughter that does that stuff. I'm not. I'm not a guru in the Facebook or Instagram world. So. No, you're, you're a guru at the knives and you got to just stick at what you're doing and that's that, I guess, right? Yeah, so when you much. get these ideas, do you do you note them down on a, on a pen and paper or do you just get to them the next morning or what do you do? How do you keep I, your ideas I, when, you, when you think of them in the middle of the night? I don't put, I have nothing on paper other than when I, I build a knife, I will... I'll paint it on a piece of cardboard or okay. draw it on a piece of cardboard and then paint the cardboard orange. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, eh? So, um, yeah, you've, you know, you, you started, like you said, eight or nine months ago and you've progressed so far already in less than a year. Um, what do you, do you have any, anything new coming out in the next few months? Are you, are you going to get into like axes and larger blades and stuff like that? Or are you sticking with the knives or what do you have going on in the next, uh, you know, six, nine, 12 months? Well, I've got, I've done a few, actually I've done a few small tomahawks. Um, actually I just got an order for, um, a sword today. Wow. So wow. it's just going to be a short sword. The guy wants it about, um, 13 inches. It's just a small, short sword it's called a bastard sword actually it's kind of a funny name but <laughs> um so yeah i'm actually gonna do a sword for the guy i've done some big buoy knives like uh i don't know what they were 11 inches 12 inch buoy knives yeah uh yeah i've done all kinds of stuff actually i've got another guy who wants a viking axe well and that was it i had a guy actually call me um geez it was probably a week ago now actually john the the guy who we did a bunch of bear hunting with and and elk and moose hunting and he uh he asked if you had if you're making hatchets or axes um or something like that so i wasn't too sure but i told him i'd uh, chat with you and and let him know so that's something if somebody does have a custom knife or or something they want custom that you don't necessarily advertise they can contact you and then you can see if that's something you can do for them Oh, definitely. I'm always, I'm always up for new challenges, right? Like it's yeah. new, it's exciting. You know, that, that gets me going, this new stuff, you know, something cool. And so how does somebody, you know, if they really want to uh, place a custom order with you, or whatever it may be, uh, is the best way to place the order through like Instagram, Facebook, or to just call you? Um, how, all, what's the best place? All three, even email, I... My phone, uh, to be honest, my phone goes from the minute I wake up till I go to bed. So I'm actually uh, thinking about bringing my daughter on full time to run my uh, order side of it. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, and you know what, man? When you're when you're packaging orders and entering it with Canada Post, printing off labels, it's freaking time consuming. Yeah, exactly. Like we're just getting into the apparel side of it so we got some uh, sweaters and some hats we're releasing nice awesome and so those there guys can see them on your facebook page and in social media then yeah those are all on uh, instagram facebook perfect and you're working on a website right now too right yes we're in the process of doing a website actually the website's going to be pretty cool so it's going to have uh it's it's going to have four knife styles on it and then all my handle material is going to be on there and you're literally 
going to be able to like build your knife on the on the website and wow. then once it's built to the way you like it to the exact kind of material you want if you want a piece of antler or whatever i'm actually getting some uh some mammoth tusk coming here from the yukon i got a i had a buddy who's out he he does gold mining and he's found me a few mammoths so he's gonna bring me some tusks and we're gonna do some mammoth yeah holy smokes that is unreal so what are some of the handle materials that you're working with right now where do I get them or? Or no, what do you have to offer right now for handle materials? Like oh, what are some I of the got, more popular um, ones that you have? I got stabilized wood. I get a lot of my stabilized wood actually out of, uh, it comes out of the States from uh, more burls. Or we cut down, if we see like a big, nice maple burl, yeah. we'll cut that down and then we cut it into little blocks and ship it down to Arizona to get it stabilized. Oh, and so so what I I looked on your on your page your Instagram and this wood is just like this magnificent color. Um, what exactly is what what is stabilized wood? So they they injected it to a kind of like a vacuum pot and uh, they use cactus juice down there, and they inject a dye so it sucks it into the pores of the wood and you can basically put any kind of color you want wow, into your handle. Holy shit. So if you want red or green, you know, or a teal. Yeah, that is too cool. And then so on your handles, do you put like a clear resin over that? Or what gives it that real smooth, um, comfortable handle feel? Uh, I take mine down. It's all, all my handles are, I sand them on my belt sander to about a 400 grip. And from there, I hand sand right up to a 2000 grip. Wow. And then I hit it with a buffer at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> that is too cool, man. They are slick looking uh, knives. And I got to say, guys, like, please go to his social media, check it out. It's just unreal. Um, so now sharpening a knife like this, what do you suggest for a sharpening stone or what's the best way to keep your knife nice and sharp? Uh, I would say go to a diamond sharpener. Oh, I had to write the name down because I can't remember it. So let me find it. It's a DMT FWFC double-sided fold, die fold sharpener. Okay. They're like 54 bucks on Amazon. Okay. But those are probably the best sharpeners you can buy. Okay. Wow. And that's basically... That's not bad. That's good. Yeah, that's basically all I use. There. So, so do you have any big no-no sharpeners? I know these guys. Some of these guys have these fancy, like work sharp belt sanders, belt sharpeners, and all these crazy fancy knife sharpeners. Now, do you uh, See, not recommend these, any? No, there's they all of them are similar. Some are good, some are bad. Like some, I've had, I have a Smith actually. It's a handheld sharpener, and the thing I found out with it is it scratches the finish. Oh, It'll I see. give you a nice edge, but sometimes you get a scratch on the finish. And sometimes my knives are finished pretty well that you could actually see a good scratch. So that's another thing that's up to the customer is how well you want your knife finished. Do you want it down to a mirror polish? Do you want it down to a satin finish? Wow. Or we can do a, a, a bluing finish where it's kind of like you put a gun blue on it. Yeah. 
or you could do a, if you like an old style you could do a mustard etch with a bit of coffee some dark roast coffee and that leaves a really nice finish i haven't done any of those in a while it's pretty rare that i get the patina finish so you can totally customize the the blade itself as to how you want to finish the shape you want it um and all that do you use the same steel for all your blades or is there anything that varies in that uh right right now i stick to uh aebl steel it's uh it's good stainless steel i get it out of new jersey actually comes from new jersey steel bear and uh when we heat sheet that, I take it up to uh, 1,975 degrees and for 10 minutes past. And then I do an air quench, so it's not quenched in oil like you see on TV. Okay. It's actually air-cooled, quenched. And then I'm getting some uh, Nitro V coming and some 440C. Oh, there's a lot of people that are wanting fillet knives, and the 440C is uh, pretty decent for making fillet knives. Oh, okay. So I can I get a nice, good flax on them yeah. for them trout. They're good for skin and trout and stuff. So. Right on. So, um, you know, what makes a custom knife like yours different than, say, the mass-produced buck knife that you can buy at Canadian Tire for, you know, 80 bucks or whatever? You know, that's, that's just it. Mine... Mine are, you know, they're completely handmade. Like everything is made from my hands. There's nothing computerized. There's nothing. The only other thing tool I use basically is the belt sand. Yeah. And the knife is completely customized to you. You know exactly, exactly what you want. You could literally cut your hand out in a piece of paper, and I could almost match it to your hand. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, like I said, man, it's a piece of art, and it's something that you can you can put to use and 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 use it like uh, you know, like it's a it's a tool, and it's uh, they're well made, and uh, no, they're I'm super impressed, man. They're very very nice. So, do you have any special care tips that guys should should not do or do with their knives to make sure they last a lifetime? With uh, with mine is never dishwash never throw it in a dishwasher another thing you should never do with a knife is soak it in water okay like fill up your sink the knife's bloody throw it in and let it soak that's just that's just a no-no on all knives actually so basically hand wash with a mild soap uh always try to keep it in the case you know there's guys that take the knives show them in their backpack let them rattle around nick the edge that's another thing with the steel I use it holds an edge it's it's made to hold an edge oh nice perfect you know I've had guys do a moose an elk and a deer and still never touch the edge wow unreal well I've got a I've got a deer hunt uh I actually story I'm gonna tell the story here so we just uh I hunted Saturday Sunday Monday this past weekend uh first two days were slow but on the third day um Saturday, Sunday are always crazy because everyone's out hunting. I heard like 10 gunshots Sunday morning. Monday, I didn't hear a single gunshot. The deer were moving all over the place. Um, right off the bat in the morning, I had a deer come up behind me. I needed him to take a left, but he took a right, so I had no shot. I passed on a deer around noon. Monday evening, I had a deer come out at 70 yards on the other side of some willows. I got my camera ready. I got my gun ready. I look up and he's gone. So I'm like, okay, he bedded down or he's, he's going to pop up somewhere. Right. But 
you know, half hour passed, an hour passed, no sign of this deer. I get home, I look at the video, and while I was getting my shit together, this deer crossed my shooting lane right in front of me. Oh. <laughs> Heartbreaking, man. But the way I'm looking at this right now is it was meant to be, because I should be receiving my knife right away from you here. So when I kill that big buck on Sunday or Monday, I'll have your knife to skin it out. That is awesome. Yeah, I just, I hope it makes it there in time. Uh, you know what, if it doesn't, it doesn't, man. But uh, I'm just trying to make something positive out of the fact that I blew it on a fucking dandy buck. Yeah, well, that's that's funny, though, because I was, I was hunting some elk with my son. He's, he's uh, 16, and uh, we do a lot of, like, 95% bow hunting we do. And oh, wow. So we were chasing these elk, and uh, on this private property we hunt we uh it's a half section of land so we go to the one morning we go to the north side of the half section and uh so we're like okay the evening we go back to the opposite side the elk came to the other side (laughs) oh the next day we go back to the other side and what do you know? The elk were back south again. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. And I actually had the landowner call me on my cell phone. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm on the north side. He's like, they're just outside of my house. No way. <laughs> wow. That's just so, how it goes so we start chucking over there. And by the time we got over, they, they have crossed the road into land that we don't have permission in. So... <laughs> That's yeah. a killer, man. And the thing is, when you're bow hunting, man, you got to be set up and you got to let that herd come to you. So if that herd's yeah. already in the field and if they're on the opposite side and you got to get to them, it's tough, man. It is tough, tough, tough. Um, did you guys end up getting anything this fall yet? Um, actually, we ended up going down to uh, Twin Creek Ranch with uh, Jarek Reeve there and did some hog hunting. Awesome. I was just talking to him today, actually, man. I'm trying to book a hunt for March. We'd like to go down and get a couple pigs. How was it? Oh, it was awesome. We had a great time. The stories that are told there at night are epic. (laughs) It's something you will remember for the rest of your life. Like... That guy, him and his dad have done so much, man. It was unreal. Like, when me and my son left, my son looks at me, he's like, Dad, we got to be like Derek and his dad. We got to (laughs) have stories like that. And I was like, you know, we are making these stories. (laughs) So that that was pretty cool. It was pretty humbling. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys both got a couple pigs? Yes, we both both got... uh, Two pigs, yeah. Both nice. Of those, so. Oh wow! Right on. Good size, yeah. or what? What did they weigh? Uh, we actually took some. We took some decently small ones. We were after kind of the good eating, but if you go down there, there is some big pigs. Wow. And what I noticed when I was down there is that the bigger ones are singled out, oh, so they're okay. a little more, more, uh, hard to get after, I guess, but. Derek, he put us on some great pigs. Like we had, we had some good options out there, but we took some good eating ones. Right on, good for you, man. Yeah, we we try and do a wild boar hunt each year, um, but we didn't this past year. We did one in 2016, did one in 17, 
and we did uh, we actually did two in 2018 but 2019 we didn't do any and then this year we haven't uh, we actually didn't do any either so uh, March next year we're trying to figure out where we're gonna go and uh, and I'm thinking of uh, and we're thinking of going there so he's got cabins and everything there too I believe eh? yeah he's got cabins he sets you up pretty good you basically uh we cooked for ourselves when we were down there yeah. which was nice you know we made our own steaks my son cooked which is awesome my son did all the cooking while i was down there nice <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because when we, our first morning we went out is we we go out and same thing again we go to the one side of the property and we get a phone call. The pigs are on this side. My son's like, Dad, you know, next time you say we're going south, we're going north. Yeah, just do the opposite of what you say. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty fun to hug with, though, my son. He's pretty good. Yeah, and then I took my other son. He's 14. We uh, took him out. We did, a, uh, what is it, seven days. We hunted some whitetail. We actually chased a massive probably 180 around for three days we just uh couldn't connect with him so i'm actually hoping to go back in the last two days i think maybe 28 29 somewhere around there and try and get a poke at him right on man yeah well there we got a full moon at the end of the month so uh those last few days are going to be are going to be really good i think for uh for activity I'm hoping to be tagged out this weekend, but we'll have to wait and see the way my season's going. I thought it was going to happen on Monday, man. I was so close, the closest I've been yet this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. Oh, we're getting my, into my biggest, we got lots of tags to fill still. Yeah, my biggest thing is with bow hunting, I often come home disappointed. Not dis disappointed that I didn't kill, but happy that my experience was awesome. Like, Every time I go out, I have an awesome experience, right? Oh, for sure. And you know what, but, man? That's sort of how filming is. Like, a lot of guys, they they absolutely, they've tried it and they hate it because it's, it's ruined their hunt for them. Um, but the way I personally look at it is sort of like bow hunting. You're making things more challenging, but when I can capture those hunts and those experiences on film to share it with you or share it with friends or family... Um, you know it's super super rewarding but the reality is you're gonna blow a ton of stocks you're gonna miss out on a bunch of opportunities and your head's gonna be down adjusting your camera when that buck crosses your trail right yes. that shit happens man but when it comes together it is that much sweeter oh definitely definitely and it's just and like bow hunting right like i usually i usually hold on to my bow until about you know, November 1st, mid-October, um, my tree stand hunting, I'm usually always using a bow, but, um, you know, we're now into mid-November, so I said, hey, it's it's time to take out the rifle, and I mean business, so. Yeah, it's time to the, thing, the thing I like the best about bow hunting is the start. It's quiet, you're out there, you know, once the 17th hits, yeah. everyone's out there, and this year has been super different. I don't know if it's because of COVID and a lot of guys had time on their hands, but there were hunters everywhere. Like it was full. That's it. Everybody, so, everybody's been saying that it seems this year, everywhere we go, everybody we hear from has been saying that there's just been guys absolutely everywhere this year. So I, it could, it could 
you know, could very well be what's going on in the world today. Not just guys have time, you know, so the economy's not doing the best and stuff. So, no, I think guys that's, are working. Maybe they're out hunting. That's one hundred percent what it is. You know, I've talked to quite a few guys who who went to the mountains this year, and they go to the same spot they go to every year. And this year, you know, they get there, and there's three other camps of guys. And you noticed that too, eh, Eric, when you just even the parking lot as soon as you pulled up. Oh, yeah, it's just, it was crazy everywhere we went. There was, you know, 10 times the amount of people. And, like, actually 10 times the amount of people. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's just it. Everyone has, has time this Everybody year. Everybody was on, you know, government money and had time, had time off work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, well, one thing I'm very fortunate right now is, you know, I'm actually able to do this to still get orders. It's just truly been a blessing. Without a doubt, man. And you know what? Um, yeah. And it's times like these where people are going to get behind because they aren't working or they're going to get in a rut because, you know, they lost their job and they have nothing to do. But, you know, it it, it takes someone with a lot of drive to, to do what you're doing, right? You know, think outside of the box, find something you love, you enjoy dive on in and that's where great things come from you know oh definitely i agree with you 100 percent. yeah and so you know you're in the early stages of this man and you know what watch out two three four years from now um t-rex knives it's gonna be it's gonna be something else where do you want to see your business four to five years from now what's the end goal or, you know I, I, I shouldn't sorry I, I shouldn't say the end goal but where do you see yourself three or four years down the road? You know, I, I don't even know because, you know, this this is my five years yeah. where I'm at right now. <laughs> For sure, man. You know, I've... I've well, it's I've happened always, so fast. I wake up and I tell my old lady, I said, one day I want to be world-renowned, you know? It's just, you know, I... I, I want to see my knives in every hunter's hand, you know, every chef's kitchen, you know, every fisherman, you know, there's fillet knives, there's kitchen knives, not just hunting knives, but, yeah. you know, hunting knives, some of them very passionate about those, you know, making a good quality knife for those guys that go out there and, you know, do their thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, I've seen a ton of interest in your work. You know, you've had a lot of guys message us. Like I said, I had a couple of guys phone me. And, um, you know, I have no doubts that, uh, you know, the things are only going to get better and better and busier and busier for you. So you're onto something special here. Yeah. Some, something I absolutely love to do. Like you don't go and sit for 15, 16 hours in your garage for no reason. <laughs> nope. But we'll go sit 15, 16 hours in a tree. <laughs> But yeah, I gotta one... say, man, when I'm sitting in the tree, once I get to hour five, six, seven, and I'm freaking freezing, I hate my life. But then yeah. when that buck comes out, everything changes. I forget about how cold my fingers are, how cold my feet are, and then I get in my truck and I want to get right back to that tree stand. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> like uh, that's one thing I haven't got to do really this year is I, I hunted pretty hard at the start of the season and then this has just taken over my life it's just consuming me right now well and that's but it too that's, right like you weren't expect i i don't know if you were or not but you might not have been expecting to be this busy 
um, this soon, right? So now that you're, you've almost got that first year under the belt, you can, you know, just hammer them out and then you can plan, you know, a week each month in hunting season or something like that. Um, and just produce more in the off season or, or whenever else. But, um, you know, that's, that's one of the joys of, of, you know, doing your own thing, being self-employed, um, is you get a sort of juggle things around and, and make, you know, make those hunts work. Um, but in times like these, when you're getting hammered with orders, you got to sacrifice a little bit and you got to put the hammer down. You know, that's 100% right. If a person wants to be successful, you got to sacrifice. You know? Yeah. There's, it's, it's going to pay off at the end. You know, there's, there's, you got to sacrifice. That's just on anything in life though. Without anything that does, you need to sacrifice. There has to be sacrifice regardless of what anyone says, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Um, you know, and, and me and you've talked about that, Eric, right? How, um, you know, some people they'll, they don't have a wife, don't have a kid, and don't have a family really and they love hunting or they love to do something but they don't have the drive to get off their ass and do anything they have the intentions of of big intentions of doing big things but they don't have that drive it's and almost, that fire inside of it's them it's almost like it. a problem of having so much time you feel like you have enough time you'll get to it eventually exactly right and we all know people like that man and you know the three of us we're all so fortunate that we we have that drive, we have that fire inside of us to, uh, you know, not sit on our ass all day, but chase our dreams and get do what we want to do and get after it, right? Exactly. Like Because really, like man, way, that... The way I look at life, every day is a new chapter, you know, a new beginning, you know, you want to write a good story. Yeah. You know, life is your story. That's, that's your story. You know, it's, you're the only one that's going to write that story. No one else is going to write it for you. Yeah, right. without a doubt. And you're a prime example of this. We are so fortunate right now. Um, it doesn't matter what you do. If you if you love knives, if you love fishing hooks, if you love comic books, you can do, find what you love, do a podcast, make something, and put it on social media, grow a following, build a group. And if you put in the time every day, if you sacrifice a little bit, like you had said, um, you can be successful in pretty much any avenue of, of any anything, right? Whether it's fishing or whether it's comic books or whether it's cars. If you put in the time, if you have the drive, um, with social media nowadays, you can reach the world. You can reach more people than you ever have been before. Um, that's how we started Non-Typical Nation. You know, we had a passion for sharing what we do with other people. Um, and we just stayed at it every single day, producing content, producing content. We started the show, we started the podcast and you know, it's a snowball effect and that's what's happened with you, Joe, right? Like you started yeah. in February, it's... March uh, with an idea and it just snowballed and now your knives are all over the place. You know, I seen your photos of your knives shared by like three or four different people. One of our guys from non-typical nation sent me some photos of them and uh, little did I know you were just a few hours away from us here and uh, you know you, you caught my eye right away and uh, you've got something special and yeah you know the sky's the limit nowadays with social media and the internet um, anyone can do pretty much anything they want you're gonna put the limits on yourself if That's uh, right. yeah. you know 
So, and, and you're, is, and what I'm saying is you're just a, a prime example, you know, it's been nine months and, uh, what you've done in those nine months is, uh, just unreal. Yeah. It's like, it's just going up and up and up. Like it just, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's absolutely humbling. Like that's one thing I, I try to be is humble all the time, you know, stay humble. I do a lot of positive Thinking positive affirmations for myself in yeah. the mornings. It's just little things like that that seem to have helped me grow. For sure, man. To yeah. where I am today. And that's another thing is one day I want to be, well, I shouldn't say want, I will be world-renowned. It's just a matter of getting there. Yeah, well, you're on the way, man. Things are looking really good. You know what, i got to thank everyone, like my family, and, you know, all my friends, just everyone that supported me through this and pushed me, you know, gave me that extra knowledge. Especially my old lady, she's 100% vaccinated all the time on everything. So that's, that's another thing is who your partner is in life and the kids, if you got kids, they push you. Yeah, no, without a doubt, man. You know, family's super important. Uh, do you have kids or? Yes, I got five kids. You got yeah. yeah so your your oldest, uh, he's the he's the one you're hunting with, or? Yeah, uh, my oldest daughter is Jordan. She's 21. I got Grace. Uh, she's 20. And then I got Ryder, 16. Sandra, 14, and Traxton's nine. Right on. That's awesome, man. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, I have noted down here, are your sheaths. So you custom make sheaths for every single knife, basically? Every, yeah. Actually, that's a funny story. I remember I was telling you about uh, my old lady doing balance. Is uh, I actually got her making sheaths. Oh, okay. So I see. She does all the sheaths. Every sheath is custom to every knife. We kind of go with uh, just the... Uh, seven eight ounce veg tan leather just a natural look i kind of like the natural look so that's kind of what i stay with yeah it's just uh yeah we do put a little bit of stain there's blacks and red leathers but i like the natural i like natural stuff so yeah i know they look awesome man so every knife includes a sheath that's right yeah every okay. knife includes a sheath Perfect. And so what are we looking at for a price range for these knives? If someone wants to, to order a knife for, for Christmas or for next year, um, what are we looking at for, for pricing? All the skinning knives start at 375 So that's just a 375 will get you like a, a G10 or a standard wood. And then the price goes up a little more for stabilized just because I pay a little more. Yeah. And then kitchen knives are four seventy five. There's a lot of steel, a lot of work. Same with my fillet knives. My fillet knives take about three times longer to do than any other knife, just so I can get that bend in it. Okay. And yeah, those, well, you uh, just finished a fillet knife a few days ago. I thought I seen you posted one on online. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that actually went down to BC. So. Yeah, those are really nice. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I was doing a fair bit of creeping on your page here just uh, nice. last few hours <laughs> there's there's lots of nice stuff um yeah man I, I i look forward to uh to working with you and i'm sure everybody from non nation is really looking forward to getting their hands on a t-rex knife yeah i'm pretty excited about working with you guys it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be a good adventure 
Yeah, with I'm always excited for new adventures. Yeah, aren't we all? Yeah, no, man, this is, uh, you got something special there, and uh, it's truly a pleasure to be, uh, you know, working with you here. And uh, I don't want to take too much of your time away. We've already been about 40 minutes. You've got knives to make. So I want to thank you so much for, uh, for doing this with us and for, uh, you know, being a part of, of Non-Typical Nation. You know, we look forward to uh, getting a few of these knives and, uh, you know, getting T-Rex knives out to the masses. This is something, um, your brand is super special to me. It's always, it's always something special when we get to work with local Canadian brands. And when it's someone who's just a few hours down the road, I had no idea. Um, you know, that's, it's super, super cool. And I look forward to seeing, uh, seeing you guys really grow and, uh, you know, us growing alongside you guys. So, uh, yeah, that's, no, uh, we got something special here, Joe. Yeah, you bet. Okay, well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, anytime, if you guys ever want me back, I'm more than happy to come on. Awesome, sounds good. Well, why don't we chat um, once hunting season's all wrapped up, we can talk about you killing that giant 180-inch buck. We'll talk yeah. about me taking down that deer that uh, got away from me last weekend. And Eric's got a few moose to kill, so he'll tell those stories in uh, early December. Sweet, I look forward to that. Sounds good, Joe. It's good talking to you. Yeah, you guys have a good night. Okay, cheers. Bye. Awesome, guys. Well, there we go. That was uh, Joe Carafel with T-Rex Knives. Interesting guy, man. Um, super creative, too. He's got uh, some incredible pieces of art online there. They're, they're something special. Well, you, can, you can definitely see and you can hear that. You can tell that he's... Uh... He, he loves making knives. Yeah. No, you really can. And, uh, yeah, he's just one of those super creative guys, right? Yeah. And, um, and he's got a drive to, uh, to give her. And that's, uh, that's what you need to be successful. Um, ideas are great. Intentions are great. But they mean nothing until you get off your ass and you do them. Yeah, and you hear it, you know. Uh, he, he mentioned that he was getting up at, you know, 4 a.m., earlier than his day job to get up and start making knives for 15, 16 hours a day. Right. Yeah. That's and, uh, crazy. And you know, we're the same way, you know, I, nothing else would make me get up at, uh, at three in the morning than, you know, to drive to an elk hunting spot. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and you know what? I, I was hiking out of the bush on, uh, on Monday there and it was pitch black, you know, like hunting time's over and I thought, I am such a glutton for punishment. Like, it is freezing cold. It's pitch black. I've got two kilometers to hike. This is day seven of my whitetail, November whitetail hunt. Haven't gotten anything. But then as soon as you get in your truck and you leave or you get home, you're like, man, I got to get back out there because I've got a goal. And the only way I'm going to achieve that goal if I is if I put in the work. And I do it, right? Yeah. And so even today, just working here at the shop, I uh, I can't get my mind off these whitetails. Because right now, we're in that prime peak rut. Like, oh, this is peak rut right now. Um, so we are at, what day is it? 18th. The 18th. So I'm going to be heading out here. I think I'm going to go Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I'm going to go three days. If I don't get anything, then I'm going to do the last three days of the month as well. I'm going to get back in that same stand I was hunting. And um, it's actually a new stand that I just hung last Friday, the 13th, believe it or not. Hunted it the 14th, 15th, 16th. 
or no, sorry, I hunted that stand the 15th morning and the 16th day, ton of action on the 16th. Um, it's in a good spot. It's right by a nice bedding area. I've got a good, good view and, um, there's a lot of deer in the area. So I think that's going to be my go-to spot for the rest of the year. The only thing I noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but when I sat there Sunday, the 15th, the morning, I heard 10 gunshots that day and the deer were not moving at all. They were not moving. Yeah. Like they were a mile from the road. Like I'm quite, I'm a mile from the road at least. And um, they weren't even moving. You know, you can't see them from the road and they weren't even moving. They were just staying bedded and they, uh, they knew something was up. You know, they're smart animals. They, they know on the weekends that if there's a ton of gunshots and just a ton of traffic, they know to stay away from the roads. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, and that's what I noticed because I got there Monday and, you know, I seen three bucks, three yep. decent bucks, right? And then I, I seen some other deer as well. But um, just the difference in, in one day where, where you're hearing gunshots and I'm on a Monday where uh, you don't have road hunters and you aren't yep. hearing them. Well, I, I, I always prefer to hunt during the week, um, you know, especially for like elk. Yeah. Just because there's not guys and there's not a guy, you know, three miles from you or even a mile from you or, you know, in some places, a couple hundred yards from you doing the same thing you're doing. And, and you know, it's basically uh, lottery, whether or not the elk walks to you or somebody else. Or exactly. Scared away or spooked out of the valley or whatever. So now with that being said, though, I'm still hunting Saturday, Sunday. And the reason why I'm doing that is because, well, those are the better days for me to go. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and you got to do what you got to yeah. do, right? So, um, so yeah, you know, hopefully I can get something moving and um, I'm in a good spot. And those were really the first, like the 15th, I sat there the morning, 16th, I sat there in the morning and evening. Those were the first two days I've sat at that stand. So, you know, come the third, fourth, fifth day, I should have some action somewhere in between there. And I was so close to killing a deer. Like that morning, I had a nice buck come behind my stand. I needed him to go left or straight, and he went right. Yeah. And I needed him to go 10 feet. That was it. Like I was that close to killing this deer. And um, and it just didn't happen. And then later on in the evening, that other one, I seen him behind some willows. He's coming right to the shooting lane I had. I'm like, great, great, great. Get my camera set up. Get my gun and myself positioned. I look up and he's gone. And so, um, you know, that was heartbreaking. Well, it wasn't heartbreaking until I got home and I realized that he had actually crossed the path. He, he just, just, right he just motored. Yeah. Well, he was still 70, 65 yards away, the path yep. where he crossed, but his head was down and he wasn't running, but he was moving pretty good. So, but you know, if, if my head was up and I seen him there, I could have grunted, could have got him to stop and get a quick shot off. But, um, that's just the way it goes. That's hunting. And you know what, when you're filming and you're, you're doing all this extra stuff, um, it's tough. It's tough. Last year, I had a freaking podcast in my ear when I had a deer walking right under my stand and walking away from me. So, you know, we have these, these, uh, you know, sort of tough breaks in, uh, in the learning experience for sure, man. But I've <laughs> never felt this close before. Yeah. Like I, last year I spent so much time in a stand that just wasn't producing, but I was committed to that stand because it was good in the off season, but it wasn't good in November. And now I feel like I finally found a spot that is good in the rut, Yeah, you know, and, um, no, I'm feeling really good about it. So, 
Uh, I hope it happens. Yeah. I hope, man. It's been, it's, I've hunted so freaking hard for these whitetails. And you know what? We were out on the 14th with Amy and the kids, and Amy actually shot a doe with a little velvet antler on it. And that morning, so we were hunting for her. I brought my camera. I didn't bring a gun. And we seen a nice, like, 150-inch dark antlered whitetail 80 yards in front of us, stood there, looked at us for, like, a minute. I could have grabbed her gun and shot it, but I wanted to get it on film. Yeah. That, getting it on film is as important as killing that animal with the rifle for me. Well, and you, but you've put so much work into your tree stands and stuff, too. You don't want to shoot one from the road that's, either, right? That's what I mean. Like, we've put, I've put so much time into filming this far that I just can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Right. And then so we seen another one. It wasn't 45 minutes later chasing a doe an even bigger buck. Really nice. Um, and even then, I just I couldn't do it because I got to get it on film. Yeah, That's for the sure. reason, you know, I, I've got a few white tails already. Um, it's just like guys with their bow, right? They aren't going to use a rifle because they want to get it with their bow. Well, yeah. I want to get it on film. That's my that's my end goal. So so tree stand hunting is really the best way of, <clears throat> of filming it all and getting it on but it's still tough like i i blew it right well you still only have a narrow window right you, you still, have exactly you know maybe 90 degrees that you can shoot at but a little bit less you can't shoot behind you yeah. i can shoot to the left but i can't shoot to the right yeah so um yeah no it's tough but uh and, and you're chasing moose you just got back from moose hunting and you're heading out on friday to yeah go we, chase we got back from a long weekend so i think when did I leave? Friday after work. Um, so Katie worked till about 10 p.m. So we left, I think we left the house right at 11 on the dot. And we had about a five, five hour drive. Took a little bit longer because we were pulling a trailer. Holy shit. So How we, were the roads pulling that trailer? Um, the roads were very good, actually. We had no snow, no nothing. So I drove for a few hours. Uh, you know, Then she drove for a few hours and we pulled in. Right around four or five o'clock. That's so early. Um, Jesus. Actually, what I think we pulled in, pulled in right around three thirty. By the time we backed the quad out and then just set up the cot, um, it was four, and that's when we were getting in bed. And then, uh, and then Katie was sick. Oh no! So she didn't get to sleep at all that day. So I got like maybe an hour of sleep, and we got up at uh, you know six thirty seven to start hunting around you know 7:45 and uh you Man, know we, that must have been tough it was tough it was uh you know it's tough but it's it's what we got to do to get moose hunting right yeah we're, for sure we're counting down on the calendar that was you know the so did you both get hunting that morning or did she oh no she we, we were hunting so you know yeah. she crawled on the side by side it was it was cold it was like you know, minus 16, minus 17. Yeah, and enclosed side by side. So um, yeah, like warmer. it's got a windshield and stuff. It doesn't have doors, but oh, it's, it it's pretty doors. warm. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot warmer than a quad. <laughs> so um, I'm glad. We're very glad to have that. And, you know, we checked out that area that me and you bow hunted and yeah. we, we had a chance at a few moose there. And uh, there was just wolves everywhere, just wolf tracks. Really? Just, uh, you know, one moose track. Yeah. And uh, but just, you know wolf tracks absolutely everywhere no deer tracks anywhere um pretty fresh snow so you know we didn't want to waste any time so we hunted the rest of the day there checked out a few more areas um didn't really see anything it was it was kind of really windy that first day 
And then the second day, um, we packed up early. We wanted to get as much sleep as we could. So I think we went to bed around like 6.37, like an hour. We ate as soon as we got back after dark and then just went to bed. Slept, got a good sleep, and then got up early, packed everything up, and uh, changed spots, went to a different spot that was about 20 minutes away. And uh, we saw probably... I don't know, 60, 70 deer on the way wow. there on the highway in, in the fields, right? Yeah, in yeah. all the private land. And then, uh, you know, we get to the crown, we get to the bush, we start hunting. We see a few deer throughout the day, um, hot on some moose tracks, like some fresh moose tracks, um, where they look like three or four bulls were sort of uh, habitually feeding on this little road. So they were coming back. It was cool because it had snowed the last three days yeah. during the night. And so you could see where these three bulls walked out of the trees, came out onto this road that was, you know, lined with willows, which Mm -hmm. is what they're eating right now, feeding. And then, you know, that first set of tracks was pretty covered in snow. And then there was a a newer set of tracks that was a little bit less covered in snow. And then tracks from the night before that, they were fresh with no snow in them. And so every day these moose were coming to the exact same spot and eating, just, you know, 60 yards down that road, a little bit further each time. And so we spent most of the day in there just poking around looking for the moose and we just didn't get on top of them. So, um, you know, hoping the weather's nice when we get up there, leave tomorrow night. Uh, we get to leave a little bit earlier, so it's not going to be as crazy. But, uh, yeah, we have some fresh moose sign at least to go off of this time around. So it's yeah, a matter of good. catching up to one, right? Well, and even, and that's, a, that's the, th- that's, that's the thing with moose and elk, man, is you need, you need at least three days almost because that yep. first day and even that second day, you're just figuring out where those moose you are. You got to find them. You got to find them. Once you find them, then you can pursuit and hunt them, right? Yeah. So um, it's good you got the three days. You can get out Friday back to that spot, figure out if they're in the area, and then figure out a game plan, get there first thing Saturday morning, wherever they were, you know, Friday and, and go from there. So. Yeah. Well, and it's late season, right? So, you know, I've had a little bit of luck calling. But they're not they're not vocal back. They might come out and okay. sort of poke their heads out. Um, but it's bush. Like we're we're confined to trails, cut lines, roads. There's not a ton of like cut blocks. The cut blocks that I tried to hunt, there seems to just be wolves wow. all over the place. And the moose sort of move um onto the other side of this river system, and then that's you know, where where we found the the fresh moose sign uh last weekend. So yeah, you know, we're just, I'm thinking about taking a blind, maybe setting up a blind that first morning we're there, leaving it for a day or two, and then mm-hmm. maybe coming back and sitting in it, um, provided we can find, you know, fresh sign from that day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just gotta cross your fingers and have one walk out in front of you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that's how she goes, man. You know, um, you guys have two moose tags to fill out there. We got two whitetail tags too. Yeah. Um, when we're out there... Sunday last weekend, Katie took a crack at a very nice, like probably 160, 170. Really? Yeah, like a very nice Holy old buck. Smokes. But it was at, uh, I think it was at about 290 yards, yeah. just about 300 yards. And uh, she had made a switch in guns for, for the moose hunting. So um, I didn't really think about it at the time either. She was shooting a 30 out six. So, you know, it's zeroed at 100, right about that 300 mark. It starts to drop quite a bit. Yeah. Like, you know, over six inches. And uh, she just shot under him twice. The deer gave her two good shots, oh, really? broadside, and wow. she just hit the dirt between his legs both times. Wow! 
And then uh, we were walking up to where she shot the deer to, to verify we didn't hit it. And this uh, little three-point buck, little three-by-three, three, just came charging out of the bush, running right, right towards there? us. Yeah. Oh, wow. Running right towards us. Um, the bigger deer had made a fresh scrape. That's what he was doing when we shot at him. Yeah. And this young, this young buck just came running towards to smell Holy the scrape. Smokes. And uh, Katie looks at me. I look at her, and I'm like, I wish we could, but we don't know you didn't shoot the first yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, we made our way up there, and, yeah, of course, no blood. And yeah. the other deer made its way off. But, uh, yeah, we do have a couple whitetail tags to fill, too. So yeah. I actually have – we'll have six whitetail tags. Neither one of us have killed any. Oh, any, you haven't killed any anything yet. That's right, eh? Wow. Yeah. Just Unreal. just her muley. So I yeah, got some we, freezer space to fill. For sure. Yeah, Amy, Amy got a doe and a little buck, and I got a doe. So um she's done and I'll uh I'm trying for a, a good buck. That's that's what I'm trying for. And if we have, so if I get something this weekend, then the last weekend I'm gonna go take one last swing at the elk. See yeah. if I well, can you locate have to. them. You can't waste that last weekend. No, no. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I, I'd love to to tag out uh, on whitetails this this weekend. I feel like I'm closer than I have been. Every time I've went out, I've gotten a little bit closer, gained a little more knowledge of them. And um, you know, I had a chance at, at a smaller whitetail uh, midday, and I passed on him just because it wasn't quite what I wanted. But um, you know, the big bucks, like the deer, are definitely moving in the daytime. They're starting to. And uh, those those bigger deer are always the later ones to to start slipping up, and and now now sort of the time, you know, temperatures have dropped this week, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's supposed to warm up a few degrees, and I think that's going to be perfect for hunting. It's going to be good. Um, so uh, no, I'm pumped right up. I can't wait, man. Yeah, white tails on the back burner for me still. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm like you though, right? Like I got it. If I'm gonna shoot a buck, are you are you filming your moose hunt? Uh, yes, you are. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, last weekend we were so rushed, we didn't. I didn't even take the camera out of okay. the truck. I brought it. I always bring it, but I. But having the couldn't extra touch day it. now, will. We'll, um. Yes. Yeah, and you know we're not going on two hours of sleep. It's not yeah. such a rush. Um, and hopefully there's some more action. You know, I had nothing to film. Yeah. Um. But with the whitetail, it's got to be on film. Otherwise, it's just got to be something absolutely ridiculous that I can't pass up, right? Yeah. But uh, I would, I really hope I can kill a moose or two this weekend, get that done with, get mm -hmm. all the traveling done with, and then just, you know, rattle out a buck, get it on film the last few days of the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and if if you're seeing that many whitetails up where you are, though, if you got the chance at, at a nice one. Oh, if we have an opportunity, um, you know, absolutely. Even does this weekend, you know, if yeah. it's getting late into the evening and uh, have an opportunity to doe, I'll take it just because we need the meat. We're running out of time. Yeah. And it's cold enough that, uh, you know, it'll be fine even if I shot it on the first day. Yeah, we still got Amy's hanging in the in the shed. Yeah, oh, for it's sure. It's so cold right yeah. now. Yeah but okay cool man well let's wrap her up that was a, a great podcast with joe i'm glad we got him on here go to t-rax knives on facebook and instagram guys check his stuff out it is absolutely incredible and when you place your order mention that non-typical nation sent you he will give you five percent off your order um super generous of him so yeah check it out guys t-rax knives and uh best of luck in the final you know, 
10, 14 days of uh, the 2020 fall hunting season. By the, yeah, by the time this comes out, there's only going to be, you know, we're 18th already. We're running out of days. We're about 12 days left. Oh, there we go. So, yeah. We'll try and get this out by 20th, we're thinking, so you'll have uh, 10 days to hunt. <laughs> yeah, fill some tags. Cheers. <laughs>